as a trained volunteer, I know what it's like when your spooky fun gets out of hand. Oh, no, no, no. The supermarket's selling expired bacon. Janet at the library has not been herself lately. I heard a voice in the sewer. I'm sorry, I didn't recognize her. It's pretty impressive how long he's been a loser. Messing with Shuby Dubois. Murder! Ah! A Salem tradition. <laughs> you gotta expect a scare here or there. everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Drive-In Double Feature. I'm your host, Aaron Lopez, and as always, I'm joined by our co-host, Ben Norsworthy. Ben, how you doing, man? I'm doing fine, Aaron. How are you? How are you doing? How's the house settling in? House is good. good. House is good. No, Nothing yet. Actually, I, I say that. Jordan and I both just uh, this evening, we were... Um, I cooked dinner a little early. She she did something else. I made some wraps and stuff and just kind of threw some stuff together. I sat down. We're watching TV. And all of a sudden, uh, she looks behind just kind of just to give me hell. And she's like, you going to turn the hall light off? Well, I didn't turn the hall light on. You turn it on. She's like, oh, I didn't. And we're both looking at each other and we're like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things. Lights or the sink's dripping or who turned on. One time, I got up in the middle of the night and the sink was on. Oh, jeez. Just running. Just uh, I was just like, well, what was that? So, yeah. yeah, it's just one of those house things you'll learn as a new home buyer. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it makes sense because you know we're in October, and actually, I was having conversations with some students today about uh, the haunted Ohio immersion we did in January. Um, we're just in that spooky season. We're definitely uh, having more conversations about it, and it segues wonderfully into our our episode today. Uh, a little bit of spooky season. Um, we are excited for. Haunting of Bly Manor, which came out today. Haven't watched it yet, but we're hoping to have some episodes of that soon. But what is our actual episode about today, Ben? Aaron, we are doing our first actual movie review. It has been a long time since the drive-in has actually had a review, right? Yeah, actually, I'm looking back, and um, the last one that we had... Oh, man, um, I'm going to have to look it up. It's been a while. I know Aaron Brewer was my last guest host. It was episode 80. But you know what? For the life of me, I couldn't remember the name of the movie that we watched. I but... think it might have been this I think it might have been Star Wars with your dad. Um, well, that was the plan. We never got around to recording the episode, though. Um, so I went and saw it with him. Did we it... just never got around. The, did... No, the last one we did was Zombieland Double Tap. Um a little over a year ago. 11 1. So it has been about a year since the movie review podcast has had an actual movie review so long time coming but we got we got a halloween one for you we're reviewing today uh, the one that was just actually released on wednesday on netflix adam sandler's hubie halloween a uh, happy madison production uh it is uh it's uh i would say probably adam sandler's first venture into a holiday themed movie and uh um 
I don't know. This one kind of snuck up on me. It's like, is they they released a trailer of it in September, and then they're like, oh yeah, it's gonna be released October seventh. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, this is Netflix hasn't had a lot of movie releases. No, it's it's done a lot of a lot of TV, a lot of documentary, um, a lot of things that they've I'm sure they've been holding on to. Um, and this is just another one of uh, Adam Sandler's uh, Netflix movies. Um, I actually think it was with the Ridiculous Six in 2015 um, that he he basically had this long term uh, Netflix deal. And as you can see from then, he's had a lot of Netflix um, movies come out. Ridiculous Six, The Do-Over, Sandy Wexler, The Week Of, uh, Father of the Year, Murder Mystery, and The Wrong Missy. Um, of those, the only one of there that I thought was actually good uh, was The Week Of with Chris Rock. I thought that was phenomenal. Um, Hubie Halloween, though, was not too bad either, um, but definitely has a niche market. So uh, we'll, we'll be getting into that today. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's like going off what you said. His, he actually had a stand-up on there that was really good also. He uh, returned to stand-up, which was actually pretty good. But he's got that big money Netflix contract, so he'll just be cranking out these movies as as much as he wants and just sitting pretty with his money. Um, But this wasn't bad. Like, we talked before this podcast started. This wasn't bad. Like, I was expecting, like, grown-ups shit. And this wasn't bad. Like, it started out great. Uh, It had a good story to it. story had legs. And then, you know, towards the end, it just... You know, we were talking before this podcast started that it was a little bit longer than a typical Adam Sandler movie, but uh, it wasn't bad. So I'm, I'm kind of excited to see what your thoughts are on it and what you liked about it. Yeah, I mean, overall, the film was a uh, I think it was a, a call more often than not. It was when it when it was successful and often and even sometimes when it wasn't, um, the movie was a callback to um, to Sandler's career um the highs and lows you know he he didn't really um completely ignore those other things now a lot of people will say that adam sandler's a his movies are not for everybody and i would agree um i also would probably agree that i think that he i don't think he's put out a good good movie since he stopped he stopped making movies uh that his kids wouldn't watch um you know he became very family oriented and worried about that I think, uh, you know, Uncut Gems was really good. Um, That's true. That, was, I, I think, that is true. On Netflix also. Yeah, Uncut I mean, Gems. It's not haha Adam Sandler, that, but the, oh, his performance in it was fantastic. Yeah. Once looking, again, he does these back, like dramatic performances. I'm looking to see, you know, over the past 15 years. So, um, you he, know, he does these dramatic performances like every decade. And they're like, he did Drunk, uh, drunk Punch Love, which was really good. Uh, funny he, people. he had some dramatic stuff in that movie funny people so every once in a while you get some serious stuff at him and he's like he's a good actor he's a good character actor he just doesn't do it as much yeah i mean he it's kind of ironic that i'm looking at his filmography and uh, wikipedia has got it in three columns um and i would say that they are that <laughs> The quality of film, in my opinion, is in the first column. The second column is got a couple of good ones. And then the third one, really outside of Uncut Gems, is a bunch of really bad movies. Um, but, I mean, you know, he, we've come a very long way from, you know, uh, 
his work with Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, Wedding Singer, Waterboy, Big Daddy. Like those are the five I would say to me are his the best of the best of his movies. There are some other ones that I like sprinkled in. Um, but this one is, it's funny because those five movies have a huge impact influence on this one. Um, Hubie Halloween was uh, definitely one of those movies that you are going to appreciate more in the details of what he did for callbacks, what he did for, um, you know, cameos and things like that to call back to those successful movies of the 90s and early 2000s. Kind of his characters. Yeah, like if you're if you're a fan of the 90s stuff, um, you will notice the little little, uh, you know, different types of jokes that they use that he hasn't used in a long time, type of characters, uh, type of storytelling. Um, so if you're a fan of that, you will see this. Now, if you've if you're young and if you've only grown up on the Adam Sandler the last 15 years, uh, you'll like this. I just don't know if you'll get everything. Yeah, if you liked um, the Adam Sandler movies of the last 15, movies. if you've liked the Adam Sandler of the last five to 10 years, you'll love this one um, because it's very similar to a lot of the things that he's done. Pretty, you know, goofy. Um, a lot of the same cast of characters. Um, you know, it's it's definitely a movie that when I look at it, I'm like, OK, this is symbolic of what I've seen him put out um, over the last you know 10 years. I, I don't think it's it's that and, different. And, and the thing is, is like I'm. The more I think about it, I can't fault the guy. And it's almost like jealousy. Like he gets to make movies. He gets to get paid a lot of money to make movies. And he just gets to do it with his friends. Yeah, the guy's guy's got, he has a, basically he has made a career out of getting to make movies with his buddies. What else would you want? I mean he makes what he wants he gets paid for it and he does it with his friends yeah yeah i mean this is uh, i'm even looking at some of the small characters i mean he got his buddies in here he got his friends he's got everybody yeah. even the small ones so um you know in the, the smaller roles but i think what's important with this one is i believe this is the first movie that his kids were in um both uh sadie and sunny um, playing uh, two of the three kids of um, of Julie Bowen's character, Violet, um, foster kids. And I, I really feel like, honestly, um, Sunny was the younger of the two. I thought she did very well. Um, Sadie she was is fantastic. Sadie was a little bit stiff. I mean, again, she's not trained. You don't expect it to be perfect. Um, yeah. But in comparing the two, I thought Sonny was a great, very believable, sweet, innocent type of kid that didn't have to feel like she was acting or trying too hard. No, I thought she was uh, fantastic. Like she was, um, she was a good combination of the both the mom and the dad. Because um, the other one uh, is it Sadie? The other one you can clearly tell that that is Adam Sandler's child. Like yes. she has, she got all of his features. Uh, uh, Sadie or Sonny has a good balance of 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 his wife and him, and her. And they the kids. I think yeah. I think the she was a a good standout. Like she could she could do something with herself. Yeah, Sadie. Sadie is one hundred percent Adam's daughter. And basically, if you were to put a wig on Adam Sandler as a as a kid, that's what you'd see out of Sadie. I mean, the facial features, just almost identical. It's just it's uncanny. 
almost the way they speak too, like yeah. almost the way they deliver lines and, and things like that. So, do you, uh, do you have a? Uh, go ahead. No, you go you're ahead. the host. Go ahead. Well, no, I was just I saying. I was going to say, do you have a rundown? Yeah, the rundown, rundown. So let's look at um, the this the basic uh, gist of this movie because there's a lot we can get into. Um, I kind of want to just start out by looking at the director first and foremost because I wasn't sure of this until I got into it. Um, Stephen Brill, who has done a lot of movies um, that I didn't realize. Um, as a director, um, he directed Heavyweights. He also um, was involved with writing um, all of the Mighty Duck movies. Um, he directed Little Nicky, Mr. Deeds. Um, he's got some stinkers in there. The movie 43, which might go down as one of the worst movies ever. Um, but he's also been more recently involved with some of Sandler's uh, Netflix movies, such as Sandy Wexler, The Do-Over. Um, you know, and so he's got a pretty work, pretty strong working relationship with him. Um, I think that this is, it, it makes sense. Um, he also, um, he does have a pretty big, um, he's one of the central players in the fanboys reshoot editing controversy, um, which I don't know if you remember that at all. Um, do you remember the, um, fanboys movie? No, I do not. So fanboys, I'm not, um, I'm not as old as you. So, <laughs> so fanboys uh, was a movie that see? came out in uh i think it was 2006 wait is this the one about star wars yeah is this the one about the kid dying and he wants to see the the new star wars movie yep um yeah okay yeah i'm familiar with that movie so the movie basically got reshot because of wonderful uh harvey weinstein um he he didn't he didn't like it he thought that it needed to go through a bunch of reshoots um and the the actual issue uh, is that the people didn't think that, pe that no one thought that it was going to make any any money. Um, they threw in a ton of people as far as um, basically, you know, your your kind of um, who's who of uh, that type of that comedy. Craig Robinson, Danny McBride, like those kinds of guys flew them in, forced them into the script. Um, and then as a result of it, it missed the 30th anniversary because and it was supposed to come out um it was supposed to come out during the 30th anniversary of star wars and it was going in tandem with um like some other things and it came out it missed that um everybody knew everything that was going on and the the tie-in with it and i'm looking for um specifically um i'll see if i can find it here um but stephen brill Let's see here. Um, Stephen Brill was brought in, um, and the problem was is he didn't. He wasn't a Star Wars fan. He came in to help punch it up, and he didn't even know Star Wars. So they brought this guy in because oh, he makes some good movies, and like he's worked with Adam Sandler. He must be funny. No, it was the worst thing they could have done for the movie. Um, there's, they've even gone on record saying that Stephen Brill didn't even know who Boba Fett was. Um, so this is the director of Hubie Halloween. Not to like really shit on him, but he's not, he doesn't have a great amount of, um, of respect amongst the larger amount, a larger community. Um, he's a Sandler guy, and I think that that helps him exactly. That don't matter. That helps him. I think the, really the blame falls on Harvey Weinstein. 
Well, yeah, so I mean, you can you can blame, blame him for everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, yeah, I remember. I'm, I now vaguely remember what you're talking about with the the fanboy controversy. Um, I did not know to the extent of how 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 detailed it was to change that, and how they probably picked the in retrospect picked and completely wrong director to to fix a Star Wars film, basically a Star Wars film. Yeah. So. But enough about that. Um, I just wanted to this go one into here's that. yeah yeah. This one, this this movie is loaded, actually, with tons of people. I mean, not just like the regular Adam Sandler people, but he's he's brought back some people from previous movies that we haven't seen in a long time. Yeah, you've got a good group, I'd say. Um, as always, Sat, uh, Adam Sandler always gives a bit of a tip of the cap to SNL type of, of cast members, whether or not he's worked with them a lot in the past or not. And we see a little bit of that um, in a couple of, of cast members, um, you know, thrown in there. But like Keenan Thompson um, as being kind of one of those, definitely, I think they've worked together before. Um, but yeah, you got Sandler at the top. And uh, as you mentioned earlier, Julie Bowen, um, which we know her from Happy Gilmore um, and also Modern Family. But her connection to Sandler comes with Happy Gilmore. Um, Ray Liotta, Rob Schneider, um, Shaq comes in again, a buddy, uh, Steve Buscemi, Maya Rudolph, Tim Meadows, uh, George Wallace. Um, you got a great, I mean, a great group of people. Also Noah Schnapp, um, from, um, Stranger Things. Yeah. Noah Schnapp's in there. Uh, his wife's in there, Jackie Sandler. Mm -hmm. Uh, we don't even get to the first part of it yet, but there's another person in there. I don't want to ruin it. Dan Patrick's in there. That's his. Yep. as usual mikey day from saturday night lives in there um i mean it's just it's a big cast rob schneider makes a cameo um you know what i like about like i was i even said it last night to myself while i was watching it like he has made this cast of this conglomeration of his old snl filmmaking buddies and like the new disney cast like the new Disney kids, because there are quite a bit of in, in because I have a six year old that watches Disney. There's quite a bit of of Disney kids that are, are I'm pretty sure are trying to break out of that Disney mold, and so they're like, "Hey, I'll be in an Adam Sandler film." Um, there, I think there was one. Uh, Peyton List was on there, and she was on a show on Disney, and one other kid, but uh, I Paris, can't ever remember Paris, his name. Uh, Barilk? I don't know her, but she is on a couple of Disney shows. So it yeah. looks like. And then the Karin Barar, who's on a bunch of Disney shows. So it's yep. like this conglomeration of Saturday Night Live and Disney casts that have uh, come together to make this movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, don't think every... Any, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, well, yeah, Peyton List. I, um, I think that for me, okay, my, my biggest concerns with, with some of this were he's getting away. I don't remember, and I'm looking to see. Um, his buddies that were in all of his early stuff... Um, um, trying to remember some of their names, Dante uh, being one of them. I'm not. I have not seen them in some of his more recent movies, um, and I don't know why that is. No, and they haven't been. Uh, you know, the 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 two the three key people that were missing were the his buddy Alan Covert, which who uh, produced this, so he's involved in some way. Um, Dante, who wasn't in this, and then the one gentleman who always has like the cross eye and has the the shitty and uh laugh um none of them were have have been seen maybe they're just off doing their thing or 
maybe the well ran, ran dry but yeah that they i fully expected them to pop up in some type of scene in this and they didn't yeah uh, peter dante alan covert is another one he's the one who's yeah. been he was in grandma's boy um yeah yeah i mean he i produced this alan covert did yeah he was in the producing credits when the credits rolled um but uh oh, okay. and the yeah, other guy i don't i can't remember his name but uh yeah it, usually i mean we have the the what's his face the old guy from every adam sandler movie who has the 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 laugh and uh, and, blake and, clark yeah just yeah blake clark he's in it but you know he you know they're probably so close and he's he's so old he's probably like yeah i'll just show up for a day film a scene and go yeah he was not in it much um no i think the biggest surprise in this was actually june squibb um the hubie's mother um she is one yeah. that I, ha- I had not seen in a whole lot of this type of movie i actually didn't know a whole lot about her um she's been in plenty she was actually um in nebraska which was in 2013 phenomenal movie um yeah. but she's done a lot of what? of things over the last um looking i mean it looks like she really started her career in the early 90s um so for her age she definitely came out very you know late in the game um, but has done a lot of tv over the last uh 15 years but she kind of came out of nowhere and i thought she did a great job definitely was not expecting um some of the you know you always have to find that type of um awkward character to do some of the things that they did the shirts were hilarious the amount of uh a couple of them i i would love to have myself i felt i didn't think i was going to enjoy that but as the movie went on and she kept having different shirts on i was like okay i get this they're not making mention of it they're just letting it be in the scene and some of them you had to you look know, for, and they were only in there be, for like a second. Yeah. yeah. So I, because uh, usually in that type of stuff, they'll really draw attention to it. But for this, for this movie, they just kind of let it be like she's going to have these shirts on, and it's your job as the audience to read them and get the joke. Yeah. And it's um, looking um, Was she at... the same woman in Happy Gilmore? Was she the same woman in Happy Gilmore that was the Mr. Mr.? No, no, she so, was not in that. Okay, okay. No. Okay, I got it confused. Looking at her career, she actually seems to um, have done has done a lot of work um, on on Broadway. Um, she made her Broadway debut as um, uh, in the original production of Gypsy. Um, she so she's done some of that, and then she also um, was was actually nominated for an Academy Award for her work with Nebraska. So, um, I, I mean. Kind of a, I don't want to say she came out of nowhere. She's been in this for quite some time. Uh, she's 90 years old. So um, good on yeah. her for the performance that yeah. she put on. Yeah. And she was in it quite a bit too. So. All right. So let's kind of get into the movie part of it. The actual right. uh, rundown a bit. We'll kind of, we'll abbreviate it here and there are some pieces that we can skip over, but you've alluded to how the movie starts out. And I also was, um, I, I was hopeful again. I didn't hate the movie, but I think that um, it the the beginning was a little misleading, especially for how yeah. awesome it was. Do you want to run down what happened in the first few minutes? Literally, like in the first minute and a half of the of the movie starting, we we were at this mental institution, this mental hospital, and it's thundering and it's raining, and you hear the door open, and it's and it's an orderly coming in. And lo and behold, it's Ben Stiller, and he's in character from his character from Happy Gilmore, 
as the uh what was his it's la- his first his last his name is al right um orderly, al. orderly hal hal yeah yeah how orderly how and he's got the mustache and he's got this the the scrubs on and he's got the voice and it's like it's like a harken back to happier times of adam sandler films and he just goes like he just goes he starts in on his shtick and he's like i'm the one in charge here and and you're like what, what movie am i watching did you get that feeling like did i just stumble onto something that he did in the 90s or yeah, it, it seemed like, I mean, I, I felt like this was really going to dive into like an Adam Sandler universe. Um, I don't know, like a, an MCU of Adam Which Sandler. Would be great. Movies. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't like I would like if Shooter McGavin showed up at some part and I'd be like, OK, hell yeah. You know, <laughs> like these are the characters that we liked, right? Yeah, I definitely think that we we didn't have as many of those direct callbacks as I would have liked. Um, I think after this one, you kind of had to be listening. You had to be paying attention. Um, yeah. This one was a major, I mean, I call him a major character. I mean, he wasn't like the lead by any means, but he was a recurring character in many scenes in uh, Happy Gilmore. And so with him back, I was like, oh, this is, maybe there's going to be a lot more to this than I had anticipated. But, <laughs> but then we it, jump uh, out it, and it gets, uh, yeah, yeah, it gets a little weird. I mean, I'm going to go on record early on here and say, I don't understand at this point in his career, why Sandler is still stuck on doing a character with that kind of a voice. Cause I'll be honest, I couldn't understand him for probably a third of the movie. And you're a teacher and you really, we are trained on to listen to mumbling and, and jumbling and stuff like that. Yeah, I just, I, you know, for a minute there, I was like, okay, he's never done a character that there's something mentally wrong with them, you know, like, or they have like Asperger's or, or something like that. He's just, they're just socially awkward, socially inept. Maybe um, Waterboy well being the speaking. closest thing. Yeah, maybe Waterboy, but, you know, he was like, you could say like Waterboy was like homeschooled and. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I just saying that might be the closest but, thing know, like, he's done. Yeah, like he's a bubble boy, um, but uh, he's just that—that's the character to me. And like I kind of, and they kind of made reference to it, like when he was looking at the yearbook picture of of um, of the girl that he was in love with, and they referred to his picture. And it's like, well, maybe he was just like this. Maybe he's just like this. Um, but yeah, it's like he keeps going back to that well of you know, yeah, the Sandlerese, as I like to call it. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I mean, he switched it up for me good enough that it didn't bother me that much for this movie. It wasn't like he was doing like Saturday Night Live Canteen Boy or something like that. Or, you know, like it's, it's definitely not as bad as little Nikki's little voice thing, which you, you watch little Nikki more than once. It gets a little irritating. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, I didn't mind it. He changed it up enough for me that I didn't mind it. Yeah, and it I'm, kinda, it's interesting it kinda... that you, you bring that up because Jordan and I were talking about it after watching it last night, and she kind of it rubbed her the wrong way, and she's like, "It's 2020. Why are we? Why is he getting? Why is this okay to be make fun of somebody like this?" And I I kind I mean I played in the same way that you did. I I don't think it was a, a character that had a, a mental handicap or a disorder of any type any type like that, but 
the signs of it possibly being such are there. Um, and I think that it is more of a socially awkward character. Um, but you can do that without pushing it too close. And I don't know. There were times where um, it just seemed a little too close to that kind of a character. And I know that Sandler is not going to go out of his way at this point in his career, being the family man that he is, to to do that. He's not going to just sit there and make a movie and make fun of somebody with a mental handicap. But he also needs to be careful, I think, because this character was not far from it. I mean, living with his mother, um, definitely focusing on, you know, almost OCD into, into with Halloween, um, very impulsive in that, um, very frightened. Uh, the stimulus, he, he was um, frightened by uh, any stimulus, any loud noises. I mean, so there's these things where it's like, people who are going to read between the lines are going to see a character that has autism yeah. or, or something, Asperger's or something like that. Yeah, and you, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, you hit it right on the nail, right on the head. Like, you know, in today's culture, you know, people are, you know, like the stuff that he did in the '90s. You definitely may not be able to get away, or might might not be as palatable today as it was back then. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you really read into the science there, I mean, does he have like, is he autistic? Is he on the spectrum? Like, is he? you know like what's going on is you know he's still living at home he has a like you said the fascination with halloween or a fascination with the, the thermos cup and, mm -hmm. and and all that stuff um you know yeah no i you you're you, good job uh, uh psychiatrist uh, aaron lopez I, I i feel like you just i mean that's a great point and you know that might turn people off from that nowadays than say you know the people that like you and me that grew up watching those 90 films yeah, and we know the we're Sandler characters like, from SNL. That, yeah, yeah, we're like that's that's what he does. That's what he does. But if you're like not of that era, or you've not seen those movies, or seen the stuff on he's done on SNL, then you're going to be like, oh, wait a minute, is he making fun of uh, mentally challenged or disabled kids? Like, wh what's going on? Yeah, well, I mean, like, I, and I, I'm glad we addressed that because I think we can quit. We can kind of put that aside. I don't think that was the intention. I don't think that that is what he was hoping to do. And I, again, I don't think that he dove too far into the pool for that to be what happened. Um, but I mean, you know, Jordan brought that up at the end of the movie and I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to argue against it, but I can 100% see the, the view of it. I can see it because it's there. Um, yeah. and I think the only way around it is having that. He didn't experience. get in the pool. Yeah. He, he went to the he pool. He didn't get though. in the pool, but he was, he was there on the edge. Yeah. Yeah, he was there on the. He may have dipped his toe in it, but you know. But I mean, so yeah. we, we right. jump it didn't into. It bother me too much, but again, we jump into the you know the the, the actual character pretty quickly. Um, we see him at the delicatessen when that's kind of his main job. Uh, we don't see him there often, but that is where the movie kind of starts, and it's referred to a couple of times. Um, I, I I think that essentially we can sum up the first half hour of the movie really as pre Halloween night where he is, he's finding out that there's a new person who lives next door. Um, Steve Buscemi's character, which that character was, I, I like him and I like Rob Schneider. I thought both of those characters were, were just red herrings. I mean, they were, they, they were there just to say these could be the, the loose convicts. Um, well, they were the loose convicts, but they could be the person who was um, 
pulling away all of the the mean people um but i mean outside of that they were kind of i thought they were just red herrings what about you i uh you know i i liked i mean first off i was like i mean me and devin looked at children and was like man steve buscemi looks old oh he looks rough i mean he looks he's like grandpa old like i mean i know he is old uh he, again he's one of those people that kind of got started late in the game like in his late mid to early 30s and acting but yeah he looked old but you know i like we were talking before about this i thought it was the right amount appropriate of like i could do steve buscemi all day i love steve buscemi you give me steve buscemi all day i can't tolerate as much as rob schneider just because i've seen a lot of rob schneider from like snl and then and then all the adam sandler movies and, and things like that but i think it was just an appropriate amount of rob schneider and then we didn't know it was rob schneider until about three-fourths of the way through the film well yeah jordan was was taking bets as soon as we saw somebody where we were like all right we don't know who it is you know she thought it was going to be david spade she's like what you know which one of his buddies is it going to be and she's like i'm yeah. thinking david spade and I, I was like i don't know i thought maybe honestly it could have been um oh what's his name uh nick swartzen because he's been in some of his movies too um you know but i thought it was a good good swerve it was fun to see him he really didn't do anything in the movie he was just there and it was kind of and fun he didn't overdo it there. he didn't do overdo anything he was yeah. just like yeah it was fun it was just appropriate amount of rob schneider in an adam sandler film um is what you need um but yeah it's this is the i think what i think i'm still on track here with this I think the movie does a good job in the first 20 to 30 minutes of setting up his character, setting up how people in the town treat his character. This is taking place in Salem, Massachusetts. It's Halloween time. Um, if you've ever been to Salem, Massachusetts, like I have, it's a fantastic place to be. It's just so authentic of, of what Salem and Halloween and all that stuff is. Um, and so I think it does a good job of setting up his character, um, setting up the people in the town, and because uh, we just get little snippets of things here and there. And uh, so I'm 30 minutes into the film. I'm still like, OK, this is good. This is good. You. I, I to be honest, we had to pause it at 27 minutes. Um, I don't remember why to like, you know, grab something to drink or to let Rosie in or something. And Jordan and I both looked at each other and we were like, oh, it's only been 27 minutes. Um <laughs> I like. I mean, I laughed. There were plenty of jokes. Um, I think yeah, my favorite, yeah. my favorite one was um, talking about. Um, well, Sandler basically reacts to somebody saying that you know people mature at different rates, and he's like, "Yeah, that's why I played t-ball until I was 25." That one got a belly laugh out of me. <laughs> but I mean, overall, I felt like I wanted to get somewhere quicker. Um, I mean, once we got to the evening. Um, when Tim met, I mean, once we were at the, the move, the drive-in movie, I felt that's yeah. when it started to pick up. There were some scenes, yeah. um, it jumped around a lot though. Um, I think that was kind of one of my biggest issues plot wise. Um, cause it's a Sandler movie. My, my, my expectation was low. I wasn't expecting, um, you know, Oscar worthy screenwriting, but it jumped around a lot where Hubie was here and then he was there and then he was at this party and then he was back at the, the, um, he, you know, he went from being at the, uh, party to being home with his mom to being, I mean, he just jumped all over the place at the police yeah. station. Um, and it felt a and lot it, like jetpacking in a movie that already 
had a lot going on. There's a ton of side characters and a lot of little things. Yeah. Um, they felt like he was necessary to make sure Hubie was in every single one of those stories. I didn't think he needed to be. No, I, uh, I particularly, I liked the uh, scene of him at the school, given the, uh, you know, there's what I liked about like, the it's like the old Adam Sandler. Part of this was like the old Adam Sandler where they would have a scene to set up a joke and then they would execute that joke in a later scene. Yeah. So when we're first introduced to his mom and she's talking about all these great shirts that she found at the thrift store and, and what did her first shirt say? It said something about a boner uh, boner donor boner donor. And she goes, and he's like, Hey, what's a, what's a boner mean? And mom's like, well, I think it's cause when you mess up, you know, I pulled the boner. And so he uses that terminology that he got when he goes to the elementary school and is wanting to talk about uh, Halloween safety tips for halloween and he messes up and says oh i just pulled a boner or something like that and just yeah it it was good and that again that's that that was another scene where his daughter did really well i thought yeah yeah i mean really sunny made sunny was i i for a while and i don't i don't this might be mean but i was like oh she's she's good she can't be his kid (laughs) yeah (laughs) like she really did a good job um, speaking of the kids, though, I'm surprised we made it this long without making the reference to the the town. Well, one of the town bullies, um, his last name being O'Doyle. Did you catch that? Yeah, I caught that. Yep, yep. And that was he's redheaded. That was fun. And I, and I particularly enjoyed that part where uh, they're getting ready to do the 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 Hubie uh, PTA little meeting thing, mm-hmm. and that redhead O'Doyle is picking on the on Sunny. The, her name her character's name is cookie right cookie, it's cookie yeah. and she's picking he's picking on cookie and he's making fun of her because she's an orphan and she's being adopted and stuff like that and i love it when that teacher comes in <laughs> and that teacher's like oh you want to make fun of people how about the fact that you're in the sixth grade and you read at a second grade level huh you want to keep talking about that i was like oh my god how many times would i have <laughs> wanted to say something like that when i see a, a kid picking on another kid yeah, that one was, I I enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, I thought that well, and I'm looking through some of these character names, and I think we need to kind of give a little bit of now I don't know credit or la- lack of creativity or over creativity over creativity really reaching through to find these connections. But uh, Julie Bowen's character Violet Valentine, do you see where is the connection to former Adam Sandler movies? I don't know. I what was, was what was like his girl what, like what was his girlfriend's name in uh Waterboy? Is it Vicky Valentine? Vicky Valencourt. But I'm Vicky like, Valentine. okay, that's you know Valencourt. interesting. Okay. Valencourt. Um we also have uh Keenan Thompson's character Still Sergeant, a DV, right? Yeah, the double V. Um Keenan Thompson's character Sergeant Blake, and we referred earlier to Blake Clark, the older gentleman who uh um, has you know played uh, the farmer farmer Dan or whatever his name was with the the really heavy Louisiana accent. He's in all of those movies from Home Improvement. Yeah. Um, you also have um, Maya and Maya Rudolph and Tim Meadows characters. Did you catch their last name? Is it Hennessy? Hennessy. Is it Hennessy? <laughs> yeah. That's awful. <laughs> See, that, yeah, yes. Yeah, I I don't know. Maybe it's. I think I think we think it's laziness, and he's just and Sandler's just sitting there writing it like, "Oh, this is gonna be funny." Yeah. It's an inside joke. 
yeah it's probably all inside jokes for him and his friends when they're sitting on set and they're like mr and mrs hennessy and and, and things like that so <laughs> maybe he has maybe he has fooled us yeah i mean again he's fooled us because he's making bank on movies that he gets to just goof around play around with his friends and like hey if you can do that if you can get away with that power to you i'm not gonna fault you for it no neither i wouldn't either for a while there i was like man why is he putting out such shitty movies and now now i'm older i'm realized that you know it's like yeah he's making tons of money and he gets to work with his friends what any person wouldn't want to do that exactly um so let's keep moving with the plot here so in the second half uh right. once halloween actually starts that's when things start to go awry um you actually have kevin um kevin james character um who can we take a side path on kevin james real quick yeah we'll just get this out of the way because I'm, i was gonna mention it earlier and i was like no let's save something for the the podcast kevin james you know i'm sure he's a wonderful person but i feel like he has become the chris farley of the group don't i wouldn't even put chris i wouldn't even put chris farley in the same category as kevin james are you kidding me no i'm not like, saying on talent level i mean Chris Farley passed away guy. and they needed somebody like that in order to fill certain roles. Now, again, you know, and that was something that I think is so tragic about Farley's life okay. is that he got typecast into those roles. Yeah. And he was actually a fantastic, you know, he, you know, if you've ever seen any of the uh, documentaries about him, yeah, that, that's the tragedy is that he thought he had to be the fat, funny guy for people to like him. Um, yeah. He was, but he was brilliant. I don't think Kevin James is brilliant. I think Kevin James is just the fat, funny guy. Um, and he's, not even always funny no he's he is i mean he is com uh, is it appropriate to say he he's complete trash like he's he, like this is what he does now like he had a a hit tv show on cbs and then he started getting to some movies and then now he's just like you said he's adam sandler's go-to fat guy for physical pranks fart jokes booger jokes things like that and in this movie, it's like you can't even see his face, and they even they make fun of it in the movie. Towards yeah. the end, they even make fun of it. Like he's got this gigantic beard, like Dog the Bounty Hunter beard, mm -hmm. and this big ass mullet, and he looks like he looks like that Muppet. I can't remember the Muppet's name, but they even make fun of it, and they're like, "Oh, what are you dressed up as a Muppet?" And he's yeah, it's yeah, he's just this is his life now. Like this is Kevin James's life, like. The only movie that I have liked him in was I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry, which nowadays yes. is, ex I mean, people would probably crucify that movie, but I think it actually does have a pretty strong pro-LGBT message. Um, I 100% agree with you, yes. I think, though, that like some of the jokes are a little on PC, but ultimately they're showing that some people don't accept that. I, I yeah. loved him in that. Outside of that, he was a guy who was a fantastic um tv actor who yeah. just i don't think can cut it in film it doesn't translate no he is uh it just i i don't know this i just every time he was in the scene i was like okay let's get through this shit because you know he, he makes some fart jokes he's uh you know it's just yeah it, it did, he did nothing you could have gave that role to somebody else somebody you could have had another big star in that role instead of kevin james but adam sandler was probably like hey what are you doing for a month when you want to play a cop? Hey, you can have a fucking mullet if you want. I don't care. I will say, I'm looking at his his movies. There is one that looks interesting. Um, supposed to come out this year. I don't even know if it's actually released. 
Um, it was released June 5th of this year, so probably it's going to be on DVD or something, but it's called Becky. Did you hear about this one? No. I, Dude, I really, I'm going to be honest with you, I try to avoid everything Kevin James. Well, this is actually, it looks interesting. It's an action thriller film, um, and, I mean, it's Kevin James and, uh, what's his name, uh, Joel McHale. Um, again, not the not two uh, fantastic actors, um, but they are playing escaped convicts, and this looks like it's an action thriller. So this looks very different. I would at least watch the trailer, and then I would make a judgment. The movie poster looks pretty badass. So, but again, I am gonna be an asshole, and I'm gonna make a judgment right now. It sucks. Hopefully, it'll be taken over by COVID, and nobody will ever have to see. It was supposed to show at the uh, Tribeca Film Festival in, in April, but COVID did uh, prevent that. It was released video on demand and in select drive-in theaters. Yeah, but you, know, you will you will I'll, agree with me that they could have they could have put another person in that role. Oh yeah, I think it's probably better. a risk putting him in, and if it works, great. If not, it, it is absolutely your your movie on the line. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he could have, yeah. Yeah, so we Halloween night. We're at Halloween night, right? Yeah, and so the 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 Kevin James's character um, and um, also Keenan Thompson, basically the whole police department is just sick of Hubie because he always comes in. He's always trying to protect people, but he overdoes it. Anything little that happens, he's going to report it, and they've just gotten sick of it. You know, Grant, you know, it makes yeah. sense. Which so, I always like. I always like Keenan Thompson's responses. Keenan Thompson, you know, he's fantastic on Silent Live. He has some, and I never, I, at the beginning, I didn't like him because he was on Nickelodeon a lot, but when he got on SNL, he has some of the best, like, quick responses. Oh, yeah. So, like, when he, when Adam Sandler's character keeps getting past him in the police station, <laughs> and Keith Thompson's only responses, he, he's in a damn costume. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I didn't recognize yeah, him. Yeah. Yeah, he has some of the best quick responses. I like Keenan Thompson. Well, I, I did enjoy that little uh, montage of all the different ways that Huey had gotten past uh, Sergeant Blake and into um, Kevin James's office. Yeah. Um, but basically, we find out that um, they are they're going to provide him with a kind of a secret uh, secret detective status, which essentially the way they set it up, there he has to um, be looking out along, you know, and, and do like a neighborhood watch kind of a thing. Um, and he cannot talk to any of the police because then people will know, and he's going to take a, uh, a log and throw it away. Okay. So all, he's out all the while, all the while, don't forget all the while, uh, Steve Buscemi's character has told him if you hear howling coming from the house, I feel like this is important to the plot, Aaron. If you hear howling coming from the house, um, do not bother him. Don't come looking for him. Yeah, and, and we see him also like boarding up his windows. And um, what does he say? He goes, a damn draft. Yeah, there's a draft coming through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, and, 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 and Sandler's a little suspicious. So, like, what I, I think what's good about this movie up to this point is it's leading you one direction when they already know what the end direction is going to be. So, yeah, they do exactly. a decent job of misleading you. Well, and he goes and he, he explains, and is it to um, Julie Bowen's character? Um, he's there at the beginning of the night, which again, that damn thermos. Um, I almost threw up when he, he combined the chicken noodle, clam chowder, and split pea soup, and then turned the thermos, which he, again, that thermos was the, um, you know, the, the magical mystery prop that basically did everything that they needed to happen. Um, again, a very... A, 
sand a sandler writing piece i'd call it lazy he got it you know it's perfect for him um but yeah that damn thermos and so julie bone's character actually says that the name she's like i know that name um you know check out the uh uh the grave site you know when you see that and so he goes to the grave and he realizes that name never died and it was like from 1600s yeah it's like Wal- is, yeah. walter or I, something did did we need that funeral scene though? I no, mean, like, the, the funeral scene Michael happened. Character. The funeral scene happened to introduce Michael Chiklis's character and make it so that Ray Liotta's character wasn't a complete asshole. Like he still is an asshole, yeah. but you're like, oh, you have the slim, the sliver of I just lost my dad, so you can't completely hate him. So that later on, he you're not cheering for him to get burned at the stake. Literally. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You. Yeah. You're right. But otherwise, no. I don't You're think right, that funeral yeah. scene was necessary yeah, at all. Only to establish like the two characters and then to reveal that that, that person's name was old. Yeah, that's it. Um, okay. So, yeah, we, we know that uh, eventually he does get into uh, his house, which for, I thought was kind of ironic that he boards it all up, but all he had to do was unscrew um, these like wooden panels that swung wide open. I don't know. Uh, missed missed a little it's because bit because he had the thermos yeah the thermos that turned the into thermos. a power drill <laughs> now you know what i'm getting you for a housewarming gift so. all right let's see if we can let's go through <laughs> how many things was this damn thermos it was a power drill okay so it was a grappling hook umbrella right grappling hook umbrella megaphone a vacuum cleaner vacuum cleaner that swept up gra- glass, not like dust, but like glass. Um, so like a shop vac, not a vacuum cleaner, a basic shop yeah. vac. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. A thermos. Else. It was a thermos. A thermos. A blender at the as at the same time. Yeah. What else? There I mean, were... it was, and they but they referred to that in the film. He said it was a Swiss Army knife type. Yeah. Thermos. I mean, they explained it. They didn't explain it well. But they yeah. explained it. This damn thermos. Then at one point, maybe a flashlight. I think. Yeah, I, f- I mean, I'm sure it was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, and also too, I think we also I, I have to go back and talk about one one moment where I was like, uh oh, it was an it was an oh shit moment for me, when he at the very beginning of the movie is riding his bike and he gets the three eggs, then like drinks them and then pukes. The way yeah. in which he puked, it was very clearly one of those like CGI, you know, like the CGI turn your head. And yeah, bang. yeah. I was worried I was at like, that point. Yeah, I was like, no, no. Maybe that, I was like, I was telling myself, maybe that was just a, a blimp. Maybe it was just a quick blimp of his little crude, you know, s- stupid humor of that. Not like, you know, yeah, I was yeah. a little bit and worried. And we didn't get more. It. We didn't get any more of the, you know, the fart and vomit and, you know, the bodily function kind of humor, really. But you, that's the point, Aaron. You didn't need that. Exactly. You didn't, you didn't need, need that it. scene. You didn't need him to catch three eggs in his thermos, blend it up into raw eggs, and then drink it and then puke. Yep. That didn't need it. No purpose. So, I mean, here's the thing. We talked earlier about this was an hour and 45 minute movie. This could have been an hour movie. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, you're right, and it'd been fine. It would, I think, it would have been better. Yeah, you know, but you know, Adam's Adam Sandler's like, you know, well, Netflix has me have to do at least one puke scene per movie, so we have to fit <laughs> it in somewhere. Might as well be at the beginning. 
you know like it's I, yeah it didn't need to sing i'm glad you brought that up because i had forgotten I just, about that yeah because i'm thinking about it i'm like we didn't need that um but anyways can so we, the, can, we also, the, can we also talk about the the kid and his the love the freshman kid from stranger things who was that i didn't realize it was i kept noticing that it was i was like that kid looks so familiar i know his hair's a little different and he's a lot yeah. taller yeah and gangler but then when i looked it up i was like that's that's uh will from stranger things yep, and, Noah and uh yeah yeah he was uh he was pretty good well um, and did you, you know understand. you know why he was in the movie right because uh, Stranger Things is on hiatus? No, um, actually, so um, you did you see at the very end the tribute to Cameron Boyce? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Cameron so, Boyce was actually yeah. supposed to be that character. Um, he was cast originally as that character, and then right before production started is when he passed away um, last year. So, yeah. um, so that's why the movie was tributed to him, but also, too, um, you, you know, you get another guy that kind of looks in that same mentality. Um, so he was a filler in really for, um, for Boyce's character for, well, I mean, for that character um, after Boyce died. Which again, if, if he would have, you know, tragically passed away, if he would have been alive, he, he's been in several Adam Sandler films. Oh yeah. I mean, and there's another connection. Film, so yeah. Yeah. So, and uh, yeah. I mean, what was the attraction there between that, that high school I, I assume she was a junior or a senior yeah and a freshman the attraction was that he was quirky and cute um i mean okay. otherwise though they needed again i think this is one of those little like unnecessary plot devices that we just or an a necessary plot devi device that they just ignored and just assumed that we would go with it um was that this idea that oh you know he's a he's a cute guy and they even say like oh you're you're cool now and then he gets the coffee smacked out of his hand and he's like yeah no not so fast um but there's really no reason for her to like him we don't they might have seen each other in the halls um they don't have classes together i don't know i have no idea why the the girl um the the sweetheart of the movie like the senior uh was had any interest in Noah Schnapp's character, Tommy? No idea. Because if, I mean, if we're being honest here, they're probably broken up by Christmas, right? Like, oh, it's a high school relationship. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then they, all, I mean, it was okay. Yeah. They they seemed cute together. I just didn't understand the connection. As he walked in the coffee shop, and she like starts hitting on him. And later on, did I miss this? Or but um, apparently she has a thing for Kit Kats, and he knew that, so he had it in his Tin Man heart. In the and I'm like, wait, hold on. I had no idea she liked Kit Kats. Did I miss something? I don't even know what you're talking about. You remember that? They're they're at the <laughs> no, party. No, I don't. They're at the party, and okay. she said something about um, his costume, but it would be better if they were out trick or treating for Kit. I don't know. This was really bad writing, but she references like that she loves Kit Kats, and he's like. Okay, and he pops open his like the heart on the chest plate of his Tin Man costume, and there's two Kit Kats in there, and she just takes them. And I'm like, how much did Kit Kat have to pay you or Nestle have to pay you for that? Because I'm like, that was where did that come from? Or like, how does he know? Is this were you virgin on stalker? Maybe territory here. Maybe I mean, yeah, to so just like oh shit, sorry, it's a Milky Way. I'm sorry. I know you're into Kit Kats, but I got uh, I got a Baby Ruth, a Payday, and a Milky Way. Sorry. And also, those costumes were not high quality. 
how why would he build that in it like the other kid who was a robot had tin foil in a box and his has got like trap doors for candy and shit yeah like and i appreciated the david bowie reference because he had the silver streak across his face you know uh, but outside of that i was like he you know what is what is this what is going on here yeah yeah it's yeah so uh so I think that brings us to a good point of the cornfield. Yeah, I mean, basically, the the major piece of the film we haven't really talked about is the conflict, which we don't, we get the red herrings throughout. Oh. We have Schneider's character. We have Buscemi's character. Um, we know that um, pretty quickly that he's a werewolf, and that's just accepted. And we're like, all right, cool. Um, and he, Sandler's character then now is trying to protect people from what he still uh, assumes to be um, the, you know, the psychopath, the convict. Um, turns out that, you know, people start going missing. We have um, the bully from, uh, what is his name here? Um, I'm trying to remember his name. Well, where is that guy? Oh, Karan Bar- Brar. Yeah. Um, he goes missing in the cornfield. Um, shortly after that, uh, the Hennessy family. Uh, so- they did go you missing. Put, did you put together because I didn't? Did you put together right away that the people were going missing were people that were uh mean to him? To Adam no, I no, I did not. Okay, no. okay, neither did I. Okay, um, I saw them as people who were making dumb. I mean, I saw this as this um, this horror movie or Halloween movie trope of people who make dumb decisions or people who are bullying in general, just like the mean ki- people. Um, they're the ones who get the comeuppance. I wasn't connecting it to the people who are actually mean to Hubie. Um, because like Cornfield, you know, you think of like the the teenager who the senior teenager who is kind of screwing around and kind of just joking around with everybody. And then he gets taken. The people who get out of their car on a dark um, side road, farm road to check out what is clearly something that is creepy and, you know, unnatural. They get taken like that kind of stuff did, just made did, sense. Did, did you enjoy the comedy between Tim Meadows and Maya Rudolph's characters? Oh, that that pairing was was <laughs> that, perfect. Where he's just like desperately trying to to get some, and she's just not having it, and she's just hurling insults left and right, and they're actually really good insults and jokes. Oh yeah, that that pairing was damn near perfect. Um, I thought it was absolutely like, hilarious how he starts like licking and sucking on the fingers and he's like you like that and she's like no they're man fingers you're, you're saying i have man hands like and again like it makes perfect sense of why she wouldn't think that that's you know a turn on but it was just meadows just being tim meadows and rudolph kind of just being yeah. my rudolph yeah i thought i thought i i agree that was a really good pairing so they go missing the hennessy uh family mr and mrs um soon after that we we basically get to a point where um well we get into the haunted house which and uh which which was nice because it incorporates a couple like mikey day was in that um but otherwise the haunted house was just to basically swerve the the whole thing onto hubie um because ultimately by the end of that that's when people realize oh the people who are going missing are the ones who had been mean to hubie or hubie was there and then they go missing which I do appreciate. I did like the scene where he thought that dog was Steve Buscemi's character, and he takes us and he takes a silver bullet and he just chucks it at him, and the dog fucking eats the bullet. That was funny. 
Yeah, that dog scene. Yeah, that was really funny. And he just tells the lady later, like, I, I believe your dog ate a bullet. Yeah. Well, and it was funny because, yeah. like, he's talking to you know, um, he's talking. He, it's it's the idea that you know, even for a split second, you could even believe that, yeah, this might be because last time he saw him, he was turning into a werewolf, he, and this was a husky, or uh, you know, it was a dog that you know could be seen as wolf-like, essentially. Um, so yeah, I thought that was great. Um, how the dog just goes in and no one catches it. That was one of those like weird, bizarre things. Um, but, um, everybody kind of steps out, uh, all of the, the haunted house actors, they're really trying to stop and be like, Hey, this is, this is fake. Like, this is fine. You can calm down. Um, and ultimately, you know, he does his freak out of the many, many freak out moments that Hubie has. Um, but yeah, eventually we get. I, I go ahead. I enjoyed with the little the 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 young lady grabbed him, the one that was like hello, and yeah. she was under the table, and she grabbed him because <laughs> she after a while she had this look on her face. I was like, are you okay? I'm done. Are you serious? Yeah. Very funny how it was, it was one of those I, like I, I'm gonna push your envelope because it's my job, but then I'm like, oh, there it went from being funny to concerned to like, oh, this is just bad. Which again, I kind of feel like leads into your what you discussed earlier about, you know, the borderline of his character's personality and maybe autism and, and you know things like that, where it's like what you said earlier, something about being oversensitized or you know overly sensitive, you know, to the senses being overridden. Yeah. You know. And I think I mean we we do get an explanation that he's always just been scared. He just is afraid of things. It's not necessarily that something that's overstimulating. I mean, he, he just gets scared of, of everything. So he, you know, he looks over his shoulder at one point and sees a, a fake toy spider and freaks out. Like it's the spider's not stimulating any of his senses and it's just fear-based. Um, so, I mean, I think that's why I felt more like, yeah, he's not doing that. Um, but you know, the, the wrong group of people could watch it and definitely get offended by it. Uh, if they, aren't giving weight to the, that other stuff. I feel like we need to take a moment and talk about how, cause we're getting a little deep in how does it feel like you, the, the, the Miss Valentine liking him so much, this came out of left field. Cause yeah. all of a sudden in the movie, she was just like, I really like you. I want to go on a date with you. We can have some Chardonnay. We can, you know, she's always, you know, speaking so highly of him and i felt like oh when did this start what's did i miss the scene no i think that it was it was for me it just shifted too quickly um i mean i i can see how the first time we see her and the and more interactions they have where it would be like you know there might have been something where they got along and they knew they've known each other from kindergarten they got along um you know he just never had the nerve to ask her out but then the, now she's divorced we look at some of their interactions and I'm like, okay, maybe she realizes that he is a sweet guy. Maybe she realizes that he does care about the community and he really does a lot of good for the community. Um, but it went from like that to I'm in love with him. I cannot wait to spend time with him just too quick. There wasn't a yeah, missing real scene. quick shift. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, it just, I, it just was like, and it was like, I mean, it was just they just kept pushing it and pushing it and pushing it, and I was like, 
did did this just all of a sudden happen or like it was just very strong yeah shift into because we knew like they i feel like they established well that he was in love with her and that makes sense for you know the type of writing and the type of story this is but then all of a sudden they just switched it and she was like wow she's and he, he clearly does not know what to do with that in several scenes yeah, and I feel like the the last we got before she really dove into it was when he was going to ask her out when she was in the car. And he said, like, he was about to ask her out, and then he just kind of pivoted. And she was like, oh, okay. Like, that's, they needed that slower burn. Um, and then in the final scene, he gets to ask her out, and then there's happiness. But it happened too quick. And then um, when, again, another weird situation towards the end of the movie where all of a sudden the TV news station shows up and is is reporting on everything that's happening in his backyard she sees it and then um he gets he asks her out over tv and she's like oh yes oh and she acts like a high school girl again all excited about getting asked out on a date yeah but it's not like this movie was too short you couldn't include another scene like that you know like if you're pushing 145 you could do another two minute scene yeah 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 exactly so okay i just make sure i was feeling we were on the same page here with that yeah i didn't miss anything there um so we're in the the haunted house um and hubie is now the um now he basically is the prime suspect of all the kidnappings um so he's running away from everyone uh, and ends up um at um ends up where well, where is he at because he's, he's on the phone and he realizes that the and- um uh, the call another great Keenan Thompson scene though when he yeah the, another great Keenan Thompson scene when he calls the calls Kevin James's sheriff character he's like yeah they just walked in yeah we've had a fear for about an hour yeah now they're, they're they want to go back to the yeah. mental institution <laughs> they've been here for an hour it's all good guess I should have called you earlier yeah yeah and then we get that scene between Steve Buscemi so at this point we learn that Steve Buscemi is not an actual werewolf that he thinks that he's a werewolf yeah he has glued hair to himself. Uh, he thinks he's a lycanthrope. And that Rob Schneider's character uh, basically just broke out of the mental institution to go get Steve Buscemi's character to bring him back because he missed him. Yeah, R- they're roommates. They're roommates. Yeah, they missed his, missed his roommates. And, you know, Steve, it's funny. Steve Buscemi's like, well, what'd you do while you're out? I just pissed on things. I pissed on the sidewalk. I pissed on a mailbox. And Yeah. Yeah it's good to see that scene that's all that that's all that scene needed to be yeah yeah i agree there um so he gets and this is where it took me a second here um but he he goes in hubie goes into the house um and he sees his mom sitting there and um next to her is this very small little uh jack-o'-lantern pumpkin mask um that's when it so should have been Real quick, did you think for a minute, because for a minute there, they were going to lead it to that it was going to be Valentine. Did you think for a minute that was her because how much she loved him and protected him? <clears throat> they had that scene on the dock, and they were they were trying to get oh. her to confess. <clears throat> yeah, no, honestly. you think it was going to be her? <laughs> I blacked that scene out. I, I Now that I was thinking about that, I'm like, oh, yeah, we forgot about the whole him showing up at the radio scene or the radio station and then Shaq being there. Um, and then them trying to figure out, you know, who is the person with a, they... with a woman's voice, which made no fucking sense whatsoever. Honestly, they the the only reason why that had to happen, the two things happened. They were like, we need that sultry, um, you know, 
black woman voice uh, in the same sense of like warriors, you know, in the, the radio host. Yeah. Um, they needed that, but they also wanted to get Shaq in the movie. And they're like, well, let's just make that his voice. <laughs> no yeah. sense at all. This is where it gets into re- starting. This is where it starts to get into ridiculous Adam Sandler grown up shenanigan shit. Yeah. As I call it. Um, like it was, we were talking before the podcast and I definitely had to mention it to you. I just, why did we need this? Like you said, to have Shaq in it. I mean, we could didn't, you, need, you didn't, we didn't even, need him. No, you didn't even need to reveal who the radio host was. I mean, they mm-hmm. clearly established that it was somebody that was, you know, a radio host. You didn't need that. But like I said, Shaq wasn't doing nothing. The NBA was um, trying to be on a hiatus. So, um, but yeah, so they had the scene at the dock. It's not her. The Keenan Thompson uh, traces the call and they're like, Hubie, it's coming from inside your mom's house. And so, of course, his mom being his best friend, he flees the scene to go home. Yeah, and he books it. He definitely, um, he's trying to get there. And then, so what really, we get there, we start to maybe get some idea that the mom is the, the one who's been kidnapping people. Um, but we didn't really even get that until you look outside and then they're all like strapped to these stakes that they're going to be burned alive. You kind of have the, you know, burning of the witches and it's all three. It's Ray Liotta's character, the uh, Mr. and Mrs. Hennessy and um, uh, I can never remember his name. Um, Karan Brar's character, um, Deli M- Mike, Mike Mundy. Um, and they're all there and you you have him save them. And then the mom, so like the ending to me just lost it. I had no idea why or what was going on. And just, yeah. I just, I, you know, it just, it was very quick. They were like, oh, fuck, we're at an hour and 40 minutes. We're at an hour and 30. Okay. Um, okay, the mom, okay, she's going to protect her son. She's going to try gonna and kill him. four people in front of cops and everybody. And then a smidgen of peace leftover pea soup saves them and then she's like you know what that's what makes you so good and you're awesome that's what all you needed to do was stand up for yourself and he stood up to his mom to not kill people and that cured him and i'm like what i mean granted his bullies aren't yeah, gonna be as mean to him anymore because they just saved they, he just saved their lives but still like really yeah that was that was that could have been handled better you know, like that was kind of very jumbled. And I'm sure I'm sure somewhere within the original confines of the script that they had this very metaphoric meaning of of a boy, a mother trying to protect her son from bullies and and things like that. It just kind of got jumbled there. Everything just was rushed at the end. Yeah, it was the end was really was really rushed. Um, they did have a fun little callback to the Frankenstein getaway. Um, but then she like yeah. is gone and it was weird. It was like the mom was a witch or something. Um, I, it just didn't make sense because she says Frankenstein and then it, you hear her like laughing into the wind and it's like, she just disappears. Um, and then it cuts to like what, two months later, one year later or something like that. And he's yeah, one year later. Cause it's Halloween. And he's the, the mayor. mayor now. So he goes from, he might be autistic to, we're going to make him the mayor of Salem, Massachusetts. And everybody loves him now. Everybody. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Even the, even the redheaded O'Doyle is like, yes. Hey, Hubie. And yeah, they're, yeah. 
yeah it's it's and those girls were calling him dad at the end yeah so now he he and that was the thing too is they were foster kids and that was kind of ignored like it did say that they were foster kids and you know the process of that not to say like we want to have to learn about like the legal system of foster care, but you could have just said they were his kids or that she adopted them. You're like, they specifically said it was foster kids. And then that was really not even important. No, it's just like, and he, he even mentioned it in somewhere in the movie. He was like, I don't have a job. I don't have money. And all of a sudden they're like, yes, adopt these two young ladies. Adopt these girls. You, You never lived outside your mom's house. You're great parenting material. Yeah. Well, and I, I will say the end of the movie, there were only a couple really, you know, there were, there wasn't a whole lot of it at the ending that made sense to me or that I really enjoyed, but I did enjoy the four kids coming out dressed as, um, you know, all of the different characters. characters. Yeah. 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 It was good. I mean, it was a nice, it was a nice happy ending, right? Yeah. I mean, kind of what you expect out of this. Yep. Are you going to mention, are you gonna, do you have any thoughts on the, uh, the consistent, uh, bike riding and dodging shit being thrown at him um, they did like five times throughout the if movie. they would have taken that out it would have been an hour and 35 minutes i mean there you go it was fun the first couple times um yeah or no i take that back it was boring the first couple times and then it got funny at the end because they were throwing things like tvs at him the bears in the woods got up and started throwing tree trunks and all that stuff you know like that was funny because yeah. then at that point it had become ridiculous. So then let's lean into it. Um, getting there was a little, a bit of a stretch though. Um, but did you watch the credits? I did with a little bit of the, oh. uh, the gag reel. Yeah. What was the one that was a callback? It was a callback and I can't remember it. And I wanted to remember it. Oh, the, about it at dinner. it's the Billy Madison reference where they th- are throwing stuff at him and he picks and they throw a dodgeball and the dodge, he, cra- he grabs yeah, oh, it yeah, and he yeah. catches it. And he's like, now, you know, like, um, uh, now you're now all, you're all dead. Um, yeah. you know, yeah, he yeah. says, he says that that's a, a Billy Madison reference. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was it. Thank you for remembering that. So, I mean, it was just it so was... old. My memory doesn't. <laughs> I know. I mean, I, I didn't. I didn't say it this time. You did. Um, yeah. No. You. I, you were very good. You haven't made one. Well, I. Joke I jumped the gun time. a little early last week. Last week was like the first minute of the podcast, so I thought it's I'd almost wait like at least... you had that built up, pent up inside you, and you were just like, okay. <laughs> I I spent all night writing the joke, and I just couldn't wait to to unleash it. Um. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I so I, I think overall. It's a it's a bit it's a happy Gil or it's a happy Madison production and that's what you get, um you know gone in my opinion gone are the days we get just little yeah we yeah, well go- we get just little glimpses of what was yeah you know I just think little glimpses little slices gone are the days of Happy Gilmore Billy Madison Waterboy um you know that transition movie for me was always Mr Deeds Mr Deeds was good. But Mr. Deeds was the first movie that broke away from that kind of raunchy movies uh, that he would do. Could you do, but here's the thing. Could you do a Happy Gilmore or a Billy Madison today? Yeah, I think think so. Okay. I think it depends. I mean, it depends on the content. 
Um, yes, could he do happy? He could do happy Gilmore and Billy Madison today. He couldn't do Waterboy. I think Waterboy would really think that he would be well. I mean, he almost did Waterboy with Hubie Halloween, um, but I think that Waterboy is really like ooh that that's a little too close to um, a little bit of that PC nature. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just curious. I'm just curious. I mean. Maybe some some of the stuff it would have to be written differently. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I look at I look at all of Sandler's movies, and I think over the last ten years or so, he's really, I think he's lost it. I don't. I mean, Uncut Gems being yeah. being a very um, that being the diamond, uh, not for not to be um, using the pun, but the diamond in the rough. Um, I don't think actually, and you mentioned it. His Netflix comedy special, his stand-up. I thought that was a turning point. I'm like, you know what? His kids are a little older. You know, they're no longer you know toddlers and and you know little infants. That he's going to come back and he's going to kind of go back to the things from the '90s, from the early 2000s. And I think this kind of makes me doubt whether that's going to be the case again. I think he's back to. Doing the yeah. goofy movies with his friends, you know, we're just going to have to hope that he puts out the uncut gems, you know, that kind of movie or the the movie that's a little bit more his old school style once every five to 10 years. And I think that's just what we're going to get. So uh, to wrap this movie up, how many thermoses would you give this? Um, so I'm going to go ahead and give this one a uh, a two thermos score, two out of five. Um, the two are looking at the, the way in which like, did I like this movie? Not really. Did I hate this movie? Not really. Um, I think that it was, it had funny moments. It wasn't horrible. It got me feeling some Halloween vibes, which, you know, there's that. But I think that ultimately, um, it's just another one of those Adam Sandler movies. And I, I love absolutely diehard loved Sandler growing up. I watched every single one of his movies. I even watched, you mentioned it early, little Nicky. I watched that. That was one of my first DVDs that I bought. Cause that was, I got a DVD player that had just come out. I watched that thing until the DVD didn't work. I loved early, uh, or up to early two thousands, like with click. And I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, those kind of movies. I enjoyed those. I don't, that's just not the Sandler we have anymore, you know? And so, um, Hubie Halloween was yeah. fun, but I don't, I mean, I choose two is as high as I can go. Yeah. I, you know, yeah, I'm kind of on the same boat with you. I'm kind of the same way. Like I saw it, like for me, it started with like, man, you know, not to show how old I am, but like some of the movies that like Eddie Murphy, for example, put out with your Beverly Hills cop and your trading places and all these really raunchy R rated movies. And then he too, like, went on a similar track and started doing Shrek and started doing all kinds of other stuff that just started bombing. Yeah. And to me, it's the same thing. I grew up on Sandler. I was, I was a, a, a teenager in the mid to late nineties. I saw him on SNL. I, you know, it's, you could quote all his movies and shit. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm going to give this two and a half, very close to three, but two and a half thermoses because there were some things in it that were like, yes, this is, this is the thing. I, I love the surprise in the beginning with Ben Stiller's character. Um, again, it did put me kind of in the mood. They did a great job of like Halloween in and up, you know, like I've been to Salem. I love Salem. Salem's a great place to be, especially this time of the year. Um, so they did a good job of setting the atmosphere for me and, and making it feel like a real Halloween movie. 
Mm -hmm. um but again it just i don't know if it's it's i don't know if it's him falling into the same old traps of like well we got to do this like when they're writing it or when they're filming it and improving i don't know if it's them just falling into the same old traps of doing this and doing that like some of the other films that we don't like but i i'm and this i mean it was it wasn't bad yeah i just it just by the end of it it was like okay yeah yeah that's this is why this is getting two and a half thermoses yeah and i think that's it is it's it wasn't bad um but i think it's i would definitely stop saying that it was good i i I don't know if i could go that far yeah i mean and again maybe it's because we're just now are getting into halloween and there really hasn't been any movie releases as of lately especially on the streaming services, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I, I hope if it has good numbers, maybe it's got that going for it, that it's a fresh movie out. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that we, we kind of just have to, uh, to hope for um, some more Halloween movies. I think that uh, I will be getting a little bit more into uh, the Halloween spirit after watching uh, haunting of blind manor. Um, I think that's going to give me some, I'm going to get excited there. Um, but yeah, I mean, Hubie Halloween was fun. It was it good. I, I'm going to have to stop short of saying yes on that one, but it was fun. And it, it didn't live, it didn't live up to expectations. Be, well, I guess it kind of did because my expectations weren't very high. So it was all right. Like, I mean, your expectations would have been like if it, uh, if you would have watched it and it would have been like Adam Sandler of old. Yeah. I mean, it would have just been this like sugar rush that you haven't had in a long time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So. Damn him. Damn him for having kids. Yeah. Yeah. You know, growing up, getting old. Yeah. Damn yeah. Uh, all right. So next week we actually have a special. We get going back to an interview and I'm going to let Ben introduce this um, as he set this one up. So, Ben, what do we got uh, coming next week? We are going to talk to a bona fide, legitimate actor of the film business. He is one of, he is probably my oldest friend uh, that I have going. We've known each other since probably the fourth grade. Um, his name is Chani Morrow. So go look him up on my IMDb. Um, he uh, had a breakout role in last year's uh, Eli Roth's produced Haunt, which is about a group of teenagers going into a very, sadistic um haunted house um he was he had a role in dark waters with mark ruffalo and he is currently actually just a week ago wrapped up filming on another uh, horror movie so we're going to sit down and talk with him and talk with him about the ins and outs of filming and filming a horror movie and playing a bad bad guy a killer in a horror movie and what that's like so i'm very excited i'm, I'm very excited for this so um i think this interview would fit great right about this time of the year you know yeah i'm excited for it uh we're gonna be doing that here and in the next couple of days and um you know it's it's gonna be it's gonna be nice because it's gonna follow into the theme you know we uh last week we didn't really lean into well no i take that back last week we looked at uh the haunted houses now we're looking at hebe halloween we got a horror actor coming up and then uh we'll be looking at just horror genre in general and having some some conversations about that so um i think the next we're, we're yeah, kind of leaning that. into some some spooky yeah. spooky season uh uh topics here i love it i'm, I'm I looking forward to it i would say i'm i'm 
kind of excited for our, our close to Halloween episode. We'll, I think we're going to have a great debate on what is the best horror movie. I think so. Of all time. I, that's We're going to have one of your friends on and hopefully, and we're going to just hash it out and see who comes out the winner. Yeah. I think that it's going to be interesting because we're going to have three different types of uh, fans of horror. Um, I think you are definitely the, the furthest into it. Um, you know, with you, not just an appreciation, but a love, you know, like that is your baby there. Um, I, I enjoy horror. You know, I've really died. I've dove into it, um, quite a bit over the last, you know, 15, 20 years. Um, and then Dre, you know, who's going to be our, our guest host, he's really not liked horror until recently. So we kind of are seeing three different types of, um, of horror fans. So we'll see how that actually comes to impact the, uh, the discussion. I will say you cannot use Casper for this debate that is Damn off it. the table okay all right okay what about you know aaron what uh, what about the like halloween special <laughs> though where it's like not quite casper but it's it's casper just off-brand casper when, and wendy the witch or like yeah is that the sequel you want to include that i think this is, is actually a casper the casper sequel um isn't the wendy one but it's like um that no that is one of them casper meets wendy no this is the one um casper is it a spirited beginning is that the one i'm thinking um there's one where oh i think it might oh man it might be that one there's one where i can't believe we're going into casper lore here oh man i'm looking at this and i'm trying to get the i'm pretty sure it is a spirited beginning um it's like the casper um intro like how he basically um comes alive and like how his whole like basically how the family um him and his uncles are in this house and they have to leave the house and there's this other like big villain oh man it's bad it's really bad steve gutenberg's in it Lori laughlin's in it oh that's horrible hey aaron what are you watching this week I am going to be watching some Haunting of Bly Manor for sure. Um, Also, Jordan and I are almost caught up with uh, Loveland Country and and The Boys. So hopefully we finally get caught up on those two um, because it is time to watch some Haunting of Bly Manor. I cannot wait for that one. That has been one that um, I wanted a sequel. I wanted some sort of continuation of Hill House, and we're getting it. Um, in some form as um, as Bly Manor comes by. So that'll be our ours. What about you? Uh, we too will be starting Haunting of Life Manor this weekend. I saw they had a they had a mystery thing the day before it came out. They had a thing on their Facebook page or social media page about they had this riddle on there. I, I don't know if you saw when I shared it, but they had this riddle on there where it said somebody from Haunting will be making a, an appearance. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the mom, Carla Giagano, who's from the haunting of hill house played the mom will also be in this season which was nobody knew that nobody awesome. they kept that such a secret um so yeah we're watching that plus amc has their um horror movie marathon on all month long so there's some great classic horror movies out there if you want to catch up that they, they just had uh, the exorcist and the shining on the other night right now i believe they're doing a friday the 13th marathon so if you're wanting to watch something scary amc has uh horror, horror movies on 24 7 all month Excellent. Yeah, it's like uh, this is definitely um, this is definitely the time to uh, to jump into those horror movies because 
Um, although it is fun to watch them year round after this, that's when the holiday movies start. Um, and those are plenty as well. So take the next few weeks and load up on your horror, load up on your ghost stories, um, your threat, your slashers, your thrillers and all that. Um, and we'll be, t- we'll be back here next week to, uh, to talk with somebody who has been in those. Hopefully we can get some good insights. I'm looking forward to it. Um, Ben, thanks for, uh, thanks for a good conversation tonight. This was good. Um, uh, even, oh, even if it wasn't the most, um, you know, even if it wasn't the flashiest movie review to come back on, it was a good one. Well, no, but I, I think we still had some good conversations and we kind of did some analyzing of Adam Sandler. I will so, say Frankenstein, Frankenstein. It is, it is not easy <laughs> to, uh, to review a comedy and this was actually pretty easy. So I appreciate that. So yeah, I think that is the best way to, uh, to end the episode. I think we'll just say, uh, we'll just say Frankenstein and we'll see you guys next week. Drive home safe.